Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Few community resources have been as omnipresent yet overlooked over time as the Napa Expo. Sure, it's home to the fair every year, but what about the other 360 days? 32 acres in the middle of downtown Napa should have an important fate. And lately, Bottle Rock has certainly been an important part of that. And then a year ago, the earthquake changed everything. As someone once said, never let a crisis go to waste. In the case of the Napa Fairgrounds, the earthquake was a crisis that changed it in potentially exciting and profound ways. What it means for the future is what we're here to talk about today. I'm joined here by three members of the Expo Board, the president of the Napa Valley Expo, Joe Anderson, along with Yountville Mayor John Dunbar and Napa County Planning Commissioner Jerry Gill. Thanks, all three of you, for coming in. You're Thank welcome. you. Thanks Appreciate it. First of all, uh, Joe, talk a little bit for those that, that don't know exactly and that may not have been over there lately or really uh, have good memories, a little bit about what changed as a result of the earthquake, what, what it did in terms of the physical structure of the fairgrounds. Sure. A lot, uh, you know, the biggest change is we lost both Cabernet Hall and Merlot Hall, which were two big, bigger buildings, um, Cabernet Hall being the old... Um, arts and crafts building um, with all the glass on both ends and everything and the Merlot Hall directly across the street. Um, we also lost, which was a big loss to us, was the nonprofit organization Food Booths um, that were in the plaza area on the west wall, um, Sons of Italy, Fireman's Corn, those kind of things uh-huh. in that. Um, those, those buildings were built along the same structure as um, the Cabernet Hall. They were all built out of slump, slump block stone um, not much rebar in them, and so there was a lot of shift, a lot of weight, weight-bearing weight shift that they were going to have to be basically taken down to the ground and rebuilt. So they've all been, had to be leveled for safety considerations as much as anything else. Correct. They're, they were unusable the way they were. So those have all come down. Also that came down was Browns Valley Food Booth was an add-on building down at the south end of the fairgrounds by the livestock barns um, attached to the Geist building. That was also taken down. And then the Geist building, we lost the south wall on that, which is to this date still open to the public. (laughs) There is no wall there yet. We're still working on getting that completed. What about the grandstands? Grandstands were um, actually part of, after the we went through the earthquake. Um, we've been through um, two or three different um, all-day planning sessions with the board. Um, the grandstand uh, was not something as a result of the earthquake. It was something that we made as a result into moving into the future. We had looked at the grandstand. We, d- we do very few events a year. Over the th- last three years, we've spent more on upkeep and everything else. than we've. It's, it's actually a money loser for us. We make money on the destruction derby, and that was a really good thing, but the upkeep and to get it ready for isolated events and it was a big portion of property right in the heart of the 32 acres i mean so as we start looking to the future is how can we better utilize the facility would that have come up for a discussion would that have been something that was possible to address had it not been for the earthquake i think yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were we had actually started our uh, started some of our planning before the earthquake. The earthquake just kind of changed our direction mm-hmm. in what we were having to do. John, you've been on the board a little bit longer. Talk a little bit about how the board reacted to all the things that happened as a result of the earthquake and really what it set in motion just in terms of discussion of really having to reassess certain things about the fairgrounds. 
Well, I think as Joe's just started to uh, point out, we were already in the strategic planning process. You know, we, we were in that mindset of how do we uh, evolve the expo property to better serve the entire Napa County community. So we had that mindset going in. When the earthquake hit, um, we really had to, as Joe was also saying, reassess what our initial strategic planning ideas were. But we also saw some opportunities that developed because of the flexibility that is now present on the expo grounds that wasn't there before. We have uh, several large facilities that uh, in some ways would limit our ability to get creative about how to multi-purpose the spaces. So that's what we're really looking at and trying to take advantage of. Uh, we're not happy about the losses that we incurred. There's nothing we can do about those. So we're looking at making them opportunities now. Were those insurable losses, Joe? No, they were not. Mm-hmm. The state doesn't carry any earthquake insurance. Talk a little bit about Bottle Rock and how it benefited in many ways, the Bottle Rock uh, number three, I guess, number two for the current regime in really an improved facility for uh, the second year. The I second think year. for them, um, it helped because it opened up stuff, gave them, I mean, they can be more versatile with tents and how they set up. Mm-hmm. Um, we, You saw if you were at the fair this year, we had to reorganize how we did things at the fair. Mm-hmm. So I think it worked for them. Um, I think in our beginning stages, had we ever planned on going this far with the buildings, I would say no. I think the earthquake opened up those those doors to to new opportunities. And I and quite frankly, we need to sit back and look at okay, what what worked 70 years ago when the fairway grounds was first built doesn't necessarily work for this day and age so how can we get it back to what is good what will work for all these different events and things that are current jerry talk a little bit about in in looking at the planning process and looking at the fairgrounds post earthquake what are the drivers of the discussion is it economic is it the sustainability of the fairgrounds is it how it serves the community where is the focus uh d all of the above (laughs) Um, I think that part of the planning process, in fact, is looking at how the expo grounds, considering where we are located, can be a stronger community asset, um, especially in light of all of the revitalization happening in downtown Napa, um, how we fit into that, but also how we continue to be a place where our community gathers, whether it's for a small-ish event or a multi-day large-scale event like the fair or bottle rock how we accommodate that and really fit into the vision that our community has for uh, how we serve our residents and how we serve uh, folks who come to to visit us john talk a little bit about the the politics of all this because the fairgrounds is is a kind of raw shock test in many ways everybody sees it relative to to their place in napa how they see the community what they expect here some people understand it as, as something that really needs to keep pace with with what's happening in napa as jerry was saying and others kind of wanted to stay uh, as this precious thing that it was for many years where the fair was was the center of it and that is the balancing act that uh, is before us right now we see opportunities to react to a changing demographic that is napa county Uh, Staying relevant is critical because we were on the verge of significant financial uh, challenges going forward before uh, Bottle Rock came on as a significant renter of the facility. Uh, The state has almost eliminated completely the uh, support of the fairs throughout the state of California. So we were trying to continue to provide a very affordable 
experience for people, whether it is the home and garden show, the fair, uh, rental opportunities for special events and parties. There are more things that can happen at the fairgrounds and the expo than a lot of people realize. So it's also on us, not just from a political standpoint, but from a branding standpoint, to make sure that people throughout the community understand the resources we have there. I think everybody's in favor of the expo from a political standpoint or bringing all the different uh, components or stakeholders together. It's how do we manage them? How do we balance their, their influence, their ability to get what they want from the expo, but also keep the flexibility alive? And that's what we're really taking a hard look at right now. Going back a little bit, and it's great that I have the opportunity to ask you this because it's a piece of the story that I've never heard before, and I think I've heard most parts of the story. When Bob and Gabe first came to you and said, we want to do Bottle Rock, and this is what we want, talk about your reaction. Well, when they first came to us, it was a totally different animal. Right. Um, it, when it was first proposed, it was going to be a multi-event, multi-site event, um, participating with downtown Napa, using possibly, you know, venues downtown and the street park culminating in one final concert at the plaza at the fairgrounds it kind of morphed from that into what we know bottle rock number one was today um you know it it was constantly fluid it was constantly changing from where it was first proposed to where we where we ended up with it and as it evolved and as the the economics of it were positive and as it seemed like it might happen talk a little bit about how you viewed it relative to what you've gone through for so many years at the fairgrounds. Well, I saw it as a, as a big economic boon for us. I mean, it would it would finally we've we have a facility that is seventy years old or older in some of it. Our water, our infrastructure, our sewer, all the electrical, those kind of things. It's a very aging facility. And how do we fix those? We were in a in a you know basically had to do it in small very portions when we when bottle rock came that gave us to actually take some bigger steps and actually start working on some remodeling and repaving and some of the infrastructure fixes um which we were going to continue to do up until the earthquake and then that kind of re um realigned what we were going to do where would the money have come from to begin to do that even to continue with the planning process full bore john had bottle rock not happened that's a very good question. I don't think we have an answer. Uh, we would have had to have taken a very hard look at uh, the rental costs, the ticket prices for admission, the types of activities that we were hosting on the Expo property because it was not sustainable uh, the old way. And so this board has the challenge along with Joe and the rest of our team at the Expo to get creative, uh, get more innovative potentially, bring in new partners, uh, Bottle Rock being one of them and a significant one, while also continuing to provide the opportunities for some very long-standing traditional experiences and events. And, and by the way, the city of Napa grew around these acres, and that has been something that we've had to take very seriously as well. Having something like a Bottle Rock that has the traffic and the noise and the light and the sound impacts that it does we have to really work very hard, very diligently with the neighboring community so that we can minimize the impacts or the negative impacts at least. Because for every person that said that they didn't want Bottle Rock to be there, we had somebody else saying we'd love to be able to sit out in our porch and get a free concert. But it's much more than that. And we respect the fact that we impact the community 
around us. And so there are a lot of factors that go into making decisions about how we use the facility. What is the nexus then, Jerry, between this planning process that's going on now, and we'll talk some more about that, and the city? How is the city part of that as you're thinking about it and talking about it as the Expo Board? Well, we have had very preliminary conversations with the city of Napa. Of course, they've always been very interested in our success. I think that um, we are in an a unique position because in most communities, the fairgrounds is in a far-flung rural area, and that makes it very hard for them to economize and, and do things that the community would be a part of in a way that makes it easy for them. We are also um, in a unique position because we are so in the middle of town, and so I think we um, need to be cognizant that we are very much a part of how downtown is developing and growing, how we can be a part of their, uh, for example, the downtown specific plan, where those the spheres uh reach around, but also what some of the opportunities are. And John mentioned, you know, our partners that may be um, non-traditional, that, but those that we have not yet thought about. For example? Could, um, I'm th- aside from Bottle Rock being a, a great example, um, there could be other recreational uh, possibilities, wellness. I mean, the, the way that we have organized our strategic planning processes, and if you've been to the expo grounds recently, it has a very park-like setting now. The, mm-hmm. the buildings coming down gave us an opportunity to really uh, bring the grounds, I think, into a much more um, very aesthetically pleasing. So there are opportunities, I think, that aren't just renting a building for a crab feed or a business expo. I think we have the opportunity to look at the entire grounds, um, absent perhaps any um, anything on it, and say, if we had um, a clean slate here, what would we do with it? And I think the city being a partner in that conversation, as well as other stakeholders to talk about what would you like to see your expo provide to this community that perhaps isn't being provided now? Um, can we fill a gap? Is there a service or uh, are we a venue that could provide um, you know, an, something that, that we aren't getting right now? So how do we play that role so that we're a, a driver of change, but also responding to that in a way that um, fits our needs? How sacrosanct is the fair, the five days of the fair, in the context of everything that we're talking about, Joe? Not that the fair is going to go away necessarily, but that there might be a possibility for it to be on other venues within uh, within the city. I would say as far as the planning process, nothing is off the table. There's lots of opportunities that come our way. That There's nothing that's off the table. There's only thing that's the one thing that in my book is off the table, and that's that the fair stays part of what we do. That is the heart and soul of what we do. It will continue to be. On that, on that property? It will continue to be. I would say on that property, yes. How important is that vis-a-vis the state and any relationship with the state, which in fact owns the property? Um, in other words, if, the if, if the fair were to move <coughs> to Kennedy Park, let's say. Right. I'm just making up a place because we're sitting right nearby there. How does that impact the state and the fairgrounds and, and everything that goes along with it? The the state relationship might be a better answer coming from Joe, but I will say that I think I've I've worked very hard as a board member over the last year and a half to ensure that people understand that 
the fair is an event that happens on the grounds of the expo, but it is one that is very much embedded in our history, our heritage. Um, it is something that I think coexists nicely with our location. It allows accessibility and affordability to uh, folks to enjoy. So um, I don't know how it would affect our relationship with the state, but I do know that it would be a real, uh, it would be a huge missing piece of our story if the fair was not held at the expo grounds because I, I think there's definite possibility where we keep a nod to our history while also looking forward and I think that's what we are doing as a board right now. What's going on Joe around the state right now in terms of fairgrounds? We've talked a little bit about the lack of economic support on the part of the state. What's happening with fairs as you look around the state? Are the attendance up, down, are they going away or some counties getting rid of them? What's happening? Um, nothing's gone away yet as far as another mm -hmm. fair in the state. Um, there are a couple fairs that are challenged that have not done a fair mm -hmm. um, for one year to kind of hold over to kind of make money last. Um, but as far as attendance-wise, it's staying pretty consistent. Um, there are some that are up. There are some that are a little down. Um, you know, we were, we were down this year. Um, we were down, and I, my own personal opinion is we were down because we had rain on Thursday, and it rained on Friday morning. You know, luckily, the people that were there didn't leave. The people that weren't there didn't really come in. So <laughs> um, that was a little stressful. But um, overall, as far as the economics, you know, state funding was two fares. And, and to our fare, the state funding source at that time, when we were both in direct funding and things that were paid, services that were paid on our behalf, like property insurance and things mm -hmm. like that, that were paid through the um, fairs and expositions fund, that impact to our fairgrounds was about $283,000 a year. That went away in entirety, 100% in 2010. Um, and that came out of the state's budget. It was just deleted from the budget, 100%. Not a 50% not a reduction, a 100% reduction. Um, we have seen a little bit that, of that come back um, this year in the current budget. There mm -hmm. was additional money um, put into the, the governor's budget. Um, there was $3 million or $2.6 million, I believe, um, in fair support. There's about $400,000 in training funding that is also going to help um, su um, support the fairs and expositions oversight office. And there's another $7 million in um, capital improvement money that's available, um, that's available statewide. So that's a, a good start for us. That's mm -hmm. a good start for getting that back in. Um, we, we, we don't know how that's going to be divvied up or, mm -hmm. or um, divided between, you know, the fairs in the state of California. And what is the, John, what is the mandate, John or Joe, whichever, the mandate that the state requires. What are, what are they insisting be done with that property at this point, even though they've put so much more of the burden back on the local community? Well, from my perspective, they are still providing, uh, a f a f I don't want to use the bad pun, a fair amount of <laughs> leeway on by us. But um, our, our core mission is to be a community partner. And I think that's critical to the state's perspective of, what are we doing at the local level to integrate with our community and provide opportunities for families, for people of all ages? Uh, and that's, that's what is in our mission statement, and that is fundamental to how we are looking toward the future, is to continue to engage families. You know, obviously Napa County, we're very much an agricultural community. We wanna be able to provide those, um, the historical value, 
things like what happens with the 4-H club, with, with the youth that is learning the world of agriculture and raising of animals and the whole industry of farming, that's critical to our DNA. But it's also about bringing other creative opportunities. Jerry mentioned recreational opportunities. We're reevaluating these large open spaces. How can they be multi-purpose, repurposed, and be effective for a variety of, of experiences? Um, repurposing some of the buildings as they exist, maybe changing the footprint of the the facilities that are on the property so they could better serve the, the changing demographic that, that we find in, in the community. So I think the state sees that as us doing what they want us to do. Uh, we ha- I don't think we've heard anything otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they do acknowledge that they've put the burden on us at the local level with uh, the loss of the funding support, but we're not just sitting here, you know, crying about that. We're finding ways to uh, take it upon ourselves to deliver. Like, you know, it was a big step for Joe to uh, bring to the board this concept of a multi-day music festival that had never happened in Napa County before. It's in, you know, kind of the downtown Napa area. Does this make sense? And collectively, we took a very broad perspective on it was very easy to fall in love with the idea of the kind of revenue that would be coming in, but we had to look at all of the impacts and would it be worth the revenue support with the all the impacts that would happen, some of them positive, some negative. Uh, just a few years later, most people see it as a, a, a smart move uh, uh, and, a, and a valuable addition to the experience here in the Napa Valley. Not everybody. And so we have to continue to balance those impacts as we can, even as something like a bottle rock or some of our other high profile multiple day mm-hmm. events happen, how are they impacting the, the community? Is partnering, Jerry, with a developer ever something that's in the cards? Well, as Joe said, I don't think anything is completely off the table. And, and right now during our uh, planning process, as we embark on the, the second piece of that, um, I think what we're looking for are uh, creative, innovative ideas for what are our possibilities. And so if there was something that in the future was a good fit that we felt like uh, matched our uh, mission and aligned with our goals and was something that would help benefit the community, that I, I think that we would look at that seriously. Mm-hmm. Joe, talk a little bit about where the planning process is right now and, and take us through what comes next. We've done two or three, I can't remember which, all-day planning sessions with the board, one prior to the earthquake and two after. Um, and like I said, from the first one to the second and third, our, our focus changed because right. it was on, on damage and, and how we proceed to the future. But we're at a point right now where it's important to bring in somebody with the knowledge and the assets to be able to go out and find different consultants to go ahead and look at what we have, where we've been, where we want to go, talk about, talk to all of our different constituents, people that use the facility, whether it be the Home and Garden Show, Bottle Rock, or, you know, Rootstock with, you know, Napa Valley Grape Growers, you know, those kind of things, and how we maintain those and bring those into the future as as we go through. Mm -hmm. So what's next in the process? We're um, getting ready to, in the process of getting ready to release an RFQ, Request for Qualifications. Um, we will go through that. Uh, hopefully hopefully that will be released and we will get to some sort of a selection process. 
probably by our October board meeting is what we're hoping. Um, maybe not. We may not have the time to be able to do that, but that's that's our goal for right now. Um, so we'll be selecting that, and we figure it's probably going to be a six to an eighth month process that we'll go through, where they'll meet with the board, look at their expectations, meet with the different. They groups being that, the consultant, the consultant, you will the control ultimately also, choose, yeah, right? Group, whatever that is, um, and meet with the different users of the facility that use the facility. I mean, not the one-time wedding reception, those kind right. of things, but the crab feeds that are that have been there for years and years and years and to um, the home and garden show that's been there for 27 years and you know all those different things that have continued to happen and how can we be the best we can to those that are there and still open doors for other opportunities and, and John what kind of time frame is this overall Joe's talking about maybe October November for selecting somebody and then you know an eight roughly eight month process what, what, what is the time frame that you're all looking at or thinking about Part of it depends on funding uh, capabilities. Certainly it always does. But I think this board is uh, very much in a, in a mindset of we want to move quickly into the future. We have opportunities that have already been presented to us, and that's been part of the motivation to want to bring in a professional strategist, basically, to help us decide what we've been talking about in some independent ways to merge all these ideas together. We've had people from... I mean, very creative concepts brought to the Expo Board. And instead of trying to make decisions on a one-off basis, we want to have more of an overall strategy on if we think these are our priorities going forward, what opportunities can we invite to come in? So people need to know the potential of the Expo property. Uh, and I think that to Jerry's point earlier, uh, it's something that I've been working on, and I think all the board has too. Remind people that we aren't just open five days a year; that it's, the rest of the time isn't just rental opportunities. We have, you know, land is is hard to come by in the Napa Valley, <laughs> right. and we have some space that people can really bring creative uses that you, you just can't do elsewhere. And and um, I've been impressed by how creative some of the potential stakeholders are out there. They see the vision that we can be great partners. So mm -hmm. it's about changing the old mindset of folks, thinking that you know, maybe we don't want the corporate outing at the expo grounds. Well, why not? What is it that we aren't delivering now that would make you change your mind? Bringing in corporate uh, activity is challenging because there aren't very many venues throughout this valley that can mm -hmm. support that and the impacts that go with it. So we're just trying to become an even more vital and viable partner. And as we've been saying multiple times today, every idea is, is an idea that we want to consider. We just want in the very near term and medium and even longer term to, to do it in a strategic, smart way. Joe, what are some of the ideas that, that you've heard that have been kicked around, that the public or in some of these forums and meetings that you've had so far, what are some of the things you've heard people saying? Napa Valley Cricket Club has, has <laughs> talked to us about a cricket field on the property. Um, we've been approached about an idea with um, an Airstream Dream Motel, um, hotel, Airstream, vintage Airstream trailers that would be like hotel rooms that could, that could be used um, like an RV park, but more of a hotel setting. Um, we've been approached by the Latino Cultural Heritage Commission about the Latino Cultural Center. So, I mean, those are the kinds of things that are coming at us. And I think, um, like John, instead of instead of 
dealing with them one-on-one, we have to put this kind of all in the pot and kind of figure out what all works together and how what how we can make it all work together. Well, and don't forget, we had a movie studio. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. There was That's a movie right. studio concept that was brought <coughs> to us to take over the entire property. Uh, but also what what's part of the learning process is folks come to us with very creative ideas, but they haven't necessarily followed through on what would it really take, and they're not looking at it from the – the perspective of what would it, how would it impact what else we're right. able to do? We have a, a very long-standing, loyal uh, rental uh, relationship with many people that we want to protect and respect. How do we continue to honor those uh, events and experiences while bringing in new partners? And so, uh, it really does need to be kind of a collaborative effort. We were talking a little bit before we uh, begun the program about some of the processes in the past, some of the planning processes in the past, some of the things that that various other boards, former boards, had been through, and Joe's been through a lot of it over the years. (laughs) What is going to prevent this process from being another one of those plans that sits in a drawer somewhere in Joe's office and collects dust? Jerry? Uh, Sheer force of will. (laughs) I I think that this board is very uh, committed to turning uh, what's on paper when we finish our plan into action. I don't think any of us would be satisfied if we just left it sitting in a binder on someone's shelf. This is very much a dynamic action plan. We do need to go through this process, though. I know that um, sometimes consultants are, oh, you know, you're hiring a consultant, but we need the outside expertise so that we can participate in the process and not have to worry about managing it. And so we want to. Um, be a part of that, have someone else help us do that. But we, we are s- so focused on making sure that this becomes reality. So I, I've pledged, and I think that our board is very behind uh, doing something with it in the short term. I, I think we'll f- pr- what will help is that we will be able to prioritize based on this plan. So there might be some really easy, you know, low cost, um, high value things that we can do right away. And then we can start prioritizing prioritizing based on our available funds and if we need to bring partners in and and look at it that way in sort of a matrix of you know high cost high value and and stretch those out so that we have a timeline and we hold ourselves to it and I think that I am um, fully supportive of that I think we all are John Jerry Jerry talked about the easy stuff and 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 I address this to you because you're the the only elected in the room so just in, in a gen you have a feel for it what about the stuff that's not going to be easy, that's going to be hard from a political standpoint, from a community standpoint, that people are going to push back to? Because that's inevitable in whatever the outcome of this is. I think it's critical that we stay true to our mission of being a strong community partner. That's going to be critical. Uh, elected officials, I can speak on, on their behalf since I am <laughs> one. Uh, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. When anything impacts our residents, it, it gets our attention very seriously. And we, we, and sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's positive. So if we were seen as not caring about what I'll call is our collective constituency of Napa County, if we were to be dismissive of the demographics that we are serving, that's a variety of cultures, that's a variety of ages. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the agricultural community is a significant part of our DNA. So as long as we continue to um, respect and provide opportunities for all of those 
interested interested parties and stakeholders, I think the political will will be be right behind it. Uh, it's challenging to bring resources to anything these days, but again, when it's proven that it is we are delivering for the residents of Napa County and bringing in visitors and providing them a special experience that they will leave telling all their friends about, then I think that it will be an easier, it won't be easy, but it'll be an easier path to go down. We'll have the support of our, you know, certainly the city of Napa is a critical partner Mm -hmm. being in the middle of the city, but it goes beyond the city limits of Napa. We're serving literally the entire county. And so we have to just continue to keep that as a priority. Right. I mean, there's always going to be some people that are that are not happy with any kind of change, obviously. Gee, I'm not sure I've come across that in my <laughs> right. 11 years as an elected right. official. But it's true. There are people, I mean, uh, in Yonville, we have the same thing. I'm sure it's true about every single community. Uh, one of the things that I love about our communities is the diversity of our character. Uh, no two municipalities look the same and feel the same. And I think that's fabulous about Napa County. So it does create more challenges, though, that you have different interests that you want to continue to serve. The other part of the challenge is the changing makeup, the changing demographics of the community. I mean, NVUSD, for example, is going through it now as they look at at their needs going forward. And there are certain populations that are decreasing. They want to combine a couple of schools. And the and cry has been very intense because of they're looking forward at the changing face of the community. I, I assume that's what, what you guys are doing as well in looking out 5, 10, 15 years. But it's also our, our who we're competing with. I mean, you have to assess that in your business plan or your, uh, your planning process, too. So when fairgrounds were built 70, 100 years ago and the fair happened there, you know, once per year, it was a place for the community to gather for the fair, for festivals. We are now in a, a position where we are competing with things far beyond um, just what else is happening in your own home. Right. I mean, we are competing with other entertainment. We're competing with Netflix. We're competing with whatever mm-hmm. it is that takes people's attention. And um, so I think trying to innovate, be responsive, understand who our competitors are, um, understand what our audiences and our, our, our constituents and um, attendees of our events really want and how we move the expo grounds and the events that occur on it into this century, but while at the same time, again, with a nod to our history and our past and never letting that go, but not holding on to it so tightly that we become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Is there relevance to the value of the property itself? I mean, somebody mentioned at the very beginning of this that most fairgrounds, if you go around the state, are in rural areas or pretty far away from a downtown area. This being where it is, as big a piece of property as it is in downtown Napa, does the the incredible value of the property enter into the equation in any way? I think it enters in there just for conversation's sake, um, but I think pretty much this board and staff is pretty much committed to the the fairgrounds needs to stay where the fair that's part of our history. Um, I think we're making we're looking at the earthquake first of all is causing us to look at our future and change. We're not it's not just change for change's sake. There are things about our history that we want to preserve that may not look the same way they looked 10 years ago or 50 years ago. But let's take the nonprofit food booths, for instance. Mm -hmm. 
the nonprofit food booth was a big part of what the fair is. Those nonprofits, that local, that local recognition of what goes on here. Did we ever want to lose that? Absolutely not. I think that's important to the fair. However, it was going to cost us $1.6 million to build full-time commercial kitchens that were used five days out of the year. Does that make sense? Financially, it made no sense at all. The recovery on that is just far beyond any of our lifetimes. Um, But as we look to the future and the opportunities that come to us, and as we rebuild or re-innovate ourselves, how do we get them back involved? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to to part of our planning session. Well, that's a good note to end on. Joe Anderson, John Dunbar, Jerry Gill, I thank the three of you for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate having us. Wine Food Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com.